This is LOL DC. I'm Sheena Satum. I'm an Army brat, a self-help enthusiast, and I manage one of the top real estate teams in Washington, DC. I have three small kids, and I've had the privilege of serving on several nonprofit charity boards. I also run a women's empowerment group and I teach real estate classes across the country. And all these amazing opportunities have allowed me to meet some of the most amazing people who I can't wait to introduce to you. We'll venture through DC and talk about some of the exciting things we're doing to make our communities a better place. One of the most recent projects we invested in was a shower truck for the homeless. We live in one of the most stressed out areas of the whole country. I think it's time for disruption. So sit back, relax. It's time for LOL DC. So on this episode, you will hear my husband Han and me talk about what it's like to run our real estate team, how to run a business together as a husband and wife. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to start with just some background on how we got to where we are today and what, in my opinion, has been working really well and maybe where we needed to see some growth in order to get to the next level of our business. Hun and I actually met in high school where we started dating and we dated in college. And when 9-11 happened, I think it was the next day, Han signed up for ROTC and essentially joined the Air Force while he was in college. And so once we were both graduated, our first duty station was Hill Air Force Base in Utah, about, I guess that was about 20 miles north of Salt Lake City. And I think like a lot of young military couples, it really forced us to grow up maybe a little more quickly than other folks. We were in a state far away from our families and we had to figure it out. And I think for us, that really made us stronger. We didn't have a lot of money and we had a lot of time. So we had to think about how we were going to use it. And luckily, I don't even think Netflix was around back then. So there was no binging. There were no fancy workout studios back then where we could spend any excess funds that we might have had. And I can remember looking back, I think we went out for drinks maybe three times in about two years. So what did we spend our time and money on? Looking back, I know that I was really frugal. And that was something that I think, you know, I was so lucky to get that from my parents where they watched every single dollar they had and they thought credit cards were evil. So they rarely put anything on credit. They would buy used cars in cash. And I ended up being one of those weird kids who I'm pretty sure at 10 years old, I knew the price of just about everything. Like if I went on prices right, I probably would have been like the world's greatest winner, which is so funny because My father-in-law loves that show. My parents have always been very practical people. And that definitely comes from how my parents were raised. My dad came from a family of four out West, where a lot of times I think he and his brothers were left to fend for themselves. And they were expected to not get in a lot of trouble, although they often did. And then my mom, who's from Germany, well, she comes from a culture of austerity. And let me tell you, she never forgot it. I remember one time when I was really young and we were stationed in Germany, we went on vacation to Italy and we were on the beach. My father gave us some money to buy, he said, a couple of lollipops. So my sister and I went back in the hotel and we each got three lollipops and we came back and he was really upset. He's like, I said a couple of lollipops. And to me, a couple meant a few. 
But we learned that day that a couple indeed means two. And I never forgot that. And when my sister and I graduated from college, a lot of our friends had these parties where family and friends would come and give them money and they would end up with thousands of dollars. Well, you know, my parents started saving for my sister and for me to go to college since the year we were born. And because of that, we didn't have to pay for college. My sister and I did both work nearly full time while we were in college to pay for everything else that was needed while we were there and living away from our parents. But my parents did give us that gift of being able to go to school for free, at least when it came to the actual classes. And when we graduated, my parents handed each of us a bag with birth control for an entire year. And that was our graduation gift. And that was really practical. So getting back to Utah, we bought our first place with the VA loan. And in addition to our mortgage, we had Hun's undergrad loan payments. And soon we would have lots of grad school debt. But before then, we just kind of enjoyed like this minimalist experience. Before that was the cool thing to do. We were just kind of forced to because we didn't have a lot of money. Like I said, we did have quite a bit of time, which we probably didn't realize back then, but we did. And we sort of just enjoyed each other. We learned how to cook together. We learned how to budget together. I started an MBA program. Han began a graduate degree in IT. I actually found this ad on Craigslist. They wanted a writer for a political blog. So I started doing that to make some extra cash. And I read about 200 books while I was out there. And Han's job kept him more busy than mine. He was in charge of an IT department and it kept him on call pretty much 24 seven. And he would leave for a few weeks at a time to go to various trainings in other parts of the country. And I wouldn't say it was an easy time, but it was a good time. I think we really grew up while we were out there. And after a few years, we were back on the East Coast. I worked in nonprofit and he worked in IT. And right around 2010, I lost my job at the nonprofit where I was working and got into real estate. And it went really well. I worked really hard and I had this husband who was extremely supportive. Like even when I got laid off, he was like, yes, now you can go figure out what you really wanna do. So it's important that you choose wisely when it comes to your other half, if you choose to go that route. About five years in, I had so much business that I knew I had to bring somebody else in to help grow. I was either going to be stuck where I was working these crazy hours now with two little kids, or I was going to have to start turning away business. So that's when we decided that Han would come into the business and we would do this together. And we've grown a lot personally and business-wise and as leaders. And it's been an awesome journey. And he'll talk more about that in his interview. But I thought that the sort of history behind it all really mattered because I think that really made the difference for us. We had figured out what worked for us personally and the fact that we were able to make that work and sort of be a successful couple allowed us to go into business together and respect each other and know that we could hold each other accountable. And that's just the sort of the last thing I want to talk about before we go into the interview is having those standards and not just in the workplace, but also at home. And I've had people tell me before, you know, because my husband does a lot. He really does. He does a lot when it comes to business. And we are 50-50 at home as well. And some people say, you're really lucky. And 
in my mind, I am lucky, but I also hold high standards for that. I think that's really important to set that up, you know, even if you didn't do that from the beginning, but at some point that conversation has to happen if one person feels like they're getting more of the load. I don't ever feel that way because we have those honest conversations and it's made very clear that, you know, we made these children together. So it's his responsibility, just as it is mine, to get the kids to bed, to get them clothed, to make sure they have what they need for school. And it's the same with every other part of our lives. Now, not everything is perfectly balanced all the time, but over the course of a year, I think if we look back, we would see, yes, those things are balanced. When it comes to gifts for family, it's not like I'm taking on all of that. That's not all my responsibility. And so I don't take it as that. So I think if you can get that level of equality and respect, it definitely makes things easier when you are trying to build something together because it's not easy. There's a lot of stress. Sometimes there's not very much sleep. And if you're not careful over time, resentment can really build. So I think having that foundation from the beginning of just knowing what's expected of each other and holding each other accountable to those standards and giving each other permission to be honest with each other and hold each other accountable goes a long way not only in building a business together, but building a life together. So without further ado, let's hear from Han. Okay, you want to have a real conversation? We'll make it real, real. This is your idea. I'm not, I have no idea what we're talking about. We are going to talk about something that people ask me all the time. How can you work with your husband? So I was just going to ask you, you know, we've been married for what? Seven, nine, 13 years now. <laughs> 12, 2006. 12 years. Okay. And we've been together for how long? Since 99, 19 years. Yeah. A long, long time. How do you think that people can be successful working together? Like if people came to you and said, hey, I think we're going to get business together, what would your first reaction be? Mm, definitely need to have some ground rules. Need to have some boundaries. We don't have any ground rules. Yeah, we do. Well, we, did, we figured it out probably about a month in. What, were they written down somewhere? Because I haven't no, seen them. No, we talked about them. So when we first started, we thought you're going to be an agent, I was going to be an agent, we'd have our own clients, and we'd just be two peas in a pot. But... That's not, we realized quickly that that's not the most effective way and we ended up just stepping on each other's toes and we had to figure out whose role was what. So figure out quickly that you're certainly more better at the marketing and prospecting side of things and my strength is more around the client services operation side. So we split those roles up and it's been good since because we're no longer, you know, we obviously make joint decisions still for things that are kind of top level business related, but we're not both making decisions on the same sort of topic. So we have these the delineation of roles, I think is important. We got really lucky that we have such different personalities and strengths to make that work. So I would tell anybody else considering to get into business with their spouse that they just need to be really honest on what are their strengths and weaknesses and can they focus on their strengths separately? Because if there's two people that are same personality, it might not work out. I think having that kind of yin and yang is, is part of the reason that we've been you know, be able to make this work. So after what you said, I think there's some underlying foundational things there, but I won't go into that yet because I want to ask you and see if you'd come up with the same things. If you had to say three things, throw out there, what are critical if you are going to actually still have a successful marriage and have a successful business? What are three things that the two people getting into this would have to sort of agree on or 
I guess, sort of have the same sort of principles or mindset around? That's a tough one. Going back to the ground rules uh, and just kind of the roles. I think first off, you definitely need to have the roles split out and clearly on who's doing what. We are fortunate that we have that clear delineation, but in some businesses, I could see that not being as clear. And you, I think they probably have to have an agreement between the spouses of who's the ultimate decision maker. Ooh, what does that look like over here? (laughs) We don't have that really. So I think we have... I control my sphere of influence, make the decisions in that, and you control yours. We'll certainly discuss ideas on that and you know take each other's feedback, but I think we've had it to where we can make it work in that regard. Sometimes when there's overlap, we treat it more you know democratically, I think. It's really whoever feels more strongly about it usually ends up being the one that's chosen out of that. Fortunately, we don't have that many discussions that need to have that aren't as clear. It might just be the way real estate works. It might just be we got lucky with the way our personalities are and our roles are. But I could see situations where it might not be as as clear, clearly cut. And in those cases, one party probably needs to be the ultimate decision maker. And they just need to be sure that there's not going to be battles on ego and jealousy and you know power controls because I could see that definitely happening. Particularly if whoever wears the pants in the personal side of things, if that role is then reversed during business, it might make things a little more difficult. So if one person's kind of more dominant by nature, that person probably needs to be the decision maker, in my opinion. But that's for each each couple to, to figure out. So basically, stay in your own lane. And regarding the pants, I mean, I would say, for us at least, that's kind of a juggle. I mean, I'll put on the pants and I'll give them to you and you'll probably start screaming because they're too small for you. Like, that's <laughs> is that why you yell? I don't know, because you're wearing my pants. I don't even like wearing pants. <laughs> Ew. Okay, so the, what the other thing I heard there was ego, and I think that's really important too, especially for two people who are sort of have this entrepreneurial spirit, high D's, that dominant personality, which you and I both have. Most of the time, each of us think that we are right. And I think you have to be able to, at least at some point, I mean, it may not start out that way when you have sort of an issue to that you're both passionate about, but at some point you have to say, okay, what's more important, solving this issue or me being right and not being open to change? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think there are situations where we both think we're right and neither of us are wrong necessarily. We just have different opinions on a certain situation. And usually the way to resolve is really whoever... Shouts the loudest. <laughs> yeah, whoever shouts loud. Whoever's more passionate about it and usually it's also who's going to be more impacted by that decision. So that's usually ends up deciding on that. But I think we've worked out well to where we can have discussions on this. And we're also, I think, just lucky in that we think alike in a lot of ways with our set of morals and our work ethic and kind of what's important to us so that we often will come to the same conclusion anyways. But that's not going to be the case in, for everyone else. You know, there's a lot of different types of couples and things out there that they might need to have that. I think it's clear to make it clear up front and have that person's buy-in that I'll make ultimate decision maker, I'll take your input, but not to create that infighting. I think the other thing that's important, you asked me I think for three things, so I think the other thing that's important is if you have, I mean I think this works for anybody, but particularly people with kids, how are you going to manage giving family and friends and all of that time while you're managing a business? Because when you're managing a business, it is so easy to make that 100% of your day and everything is focused on that. So there needs to be some expectation on when you turn it off, if it's just one of you or both of you, you probably need to have at least some time that's both of you turning off and just need to have the same goals and expectations on that because if one person is 
more strongly committed to the business and the other person is more strongly committed to family. So there's going to be a constant clash of, well, I need to do you know, this for work or I want to spend more time with the family. So there needs to be discussion up front on how that's going to be broken out and agreement between both parties on when they're going to turn it off and when they're going to be focused on work. So there's no battles later. So I know one thing we established after selling 88 homes together, I mean, it took us a while to get there, but we sold 88 homes and really spent a lot of time kind of ignoring our kids, figured we need to change some things. So our business coach had a lot of suggestions for that. I think that leads me to discussion of kind of how just in a marriage, I think, so in some sense, it's kind of like having two marriages inside one with the business, the sort of business side, and then the actual marriage. And a lot of people have therapists just to deal with their own marriage. Uh, it seems like if you yeah. have two marriages, you're going to need even more of that. And I think our business coach kind of serves to assist in that area. He has been amazing. And one of the things he talks about is time blocking time to focus on the family, focus on us, have the phones turned off, and then have time to actually focus on the business instead of being in the business. And I think that has been really powerful. So just my suggestion there would be absolutely have a business coach slash therapist to kind of help through those things. Someone who really understands. And just like we talk about at Keller Williams with folks who we bring onto the team, you should hire slowly and fire quickly. And that has sort of been what we've done with coaches as well. You got to know if you're really moving forward or not with them and you need to hold them accountable. So quick question. So we've got our therapist and our business coach, but there's also some books. What are a couple books that you would recommend for folks as they're trying to figure things out, get started, or if they find themselves right now in kind of contentious positions within their marriage slash business? The first one I can think off the top of my head is Rocket Fuel. I think that was a really great book about and it doesn't talk about husband and wife, but it talks about two people going into business together, working two different personalities. And so it talks about the innovator and the implementer, who are two different personalities, of course. One tends to be, you know, innovator is a visionary. They're the ones who come up with all the great ideas. They probably come up with a lot more great ideas. You know, a lot, a lot of great ideas, but they need to be kind of, some of those ideas need to be brought back to reality versus the implementer is not so great at coming up with ideas, but good at putting in systems into place and, and executing on them. And I think we're fortunate in our personality set that you're clearly the, the visionary and innovator, and I'm, I'm definitely more of the implementer. And so that's, you know, we, we read that book after we decided to start working together, and it, a lot of it just seemed to validate why this is working for us. And I think it's important to, to read that book to understand if those, the two, the husband and wife, don't meet those two personality sets on their own, they may need to bring in a, a third person to, to meet one of those sets. So I think a lot of people probably have one or the other, but it's tough to have both in a marriage. So you might need to look at outside to bring somebody in who's going to be like that implementer if you have that visionary, for example. I think as I've been in my this role and we've kind of done this together, the biggest thing that I've learned from you is to not be negative. And, you know, what you say becomes true. You know, your mindset starts starts going on something and then your words and then it actually is reality. And the more you say it, the more real it becomes. I know you've told me years ago, stop saying I'm tired. Because even if, if you are, whether you are or you're not, you're going to feel that way if that keeps coming out of your mouth. So I've learned to, if I have this negative thought, you give me about one minute to spew and then that's pretty much it. So like huge accountability around negativity, which I think 
for me, is probably the most important thing in trying to continue to grow and to be a positive force within our own team. On the flip side, ironically, I think what you bring to the table is energy and that creativity and passion. And I think where you help me drive more is your speed and pace of completing things. We always say you're kind of the gas pedal and on the brake. You need yes. both to drive a car. And so I think that that works out well because if it was just me on my own, I think I'd probably implement things a lot more slowly and be a little more cautious with making big change. I know every single inflection point we've hit in our career, whether it was just us working together or hiring our first administrative assistant to hiring our first agent, each of those were stressful and scary, frankly, of can we support this? Do we have these skills, the finances, everything to support it? And your drive to just say, well, we just need to do it because it needs to be done, I think pushed us to get those things done more quickly than if I were on my own. So again, it goes back to that kind of having that balance between different mindsets. Yeah, I think if I had to tell maybe a quick sentence story about how our business has grown and succeeded is probably I came and pushed us through these inflection points with my quick ideas and implementation. And then you cleaned it up every step of the way. You cleaned up my mess. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that's a good, I think that's a good explanation on it. And you're just, you're also your drive for always learning more. I think that's really important. You know, learning doesn't stop with school. You read, you know, it seems like a million books a month and always reading a few different books and always looking for some sort of self-help sort of uh, either podcasts or, you know, books or classes to attend and always driving to learn more. I think it's just so easy for human nature to just think you, especially at this point in our career where, you know, we know real estate, we've done enough transactions, we know that, you know, inside and out, but you can't get complacent and think you just know and, and stay status quo, always have to look at how do we do the next thing? How do we keep up? Industry's changing, technology's changing, buyer and seller perceptions are changing. So that constant education, I think is a really important thing. So part of the reasons that, you know, on our team, we have those quarterly books because always having a different viewpoint and perspective. And the more and more you learn, the more you see, you know, either validate what you're already doing or you hear some new idea that, you know, perhaps you just never thought of. Yeah, absolutely. I think these books have been pivotal to us moving forward. So, and I think you talked about ego. I think part of it is just realizing you don't know it all. Even if you've been here for a long time, you don't know it all. There's always going to be new challenges as long as you're progressing. So you got to get that education from somewhere. So it's either people or books. Anything else you want to say? Yeah, I think the last thing to do is um, you kind of hit the nail on the head with people. I think that's probably the most important thing we've learned is, you know, the hiring process is definitely because at the end of the day, a husband and wife want to get into business together. I'm sure more often than not, their goal is to grow, add more people on and not just be a two person team. It's only going to hit a ceiling at some point. So I think the hiring process definitely the most difficult or our most recent challenge. It's, it's very hard to you know, find that needle in a haystack that has the skills, the work ethic and the drive. But I think the, the biggest thing I've learned is not just focusing on skills and motivation, although those are important. It's also focusing on culture, figuring out what your culture is and what, what that means to you. So I think that goes back to for anybody getting in business, but also a husband and wife team, having a mission statement, having a, a value proposition and, and sticking true to that. And, and also reminding yourself of it when you're looking at interviewing and adding your team, because you need to have people on your team that, that believe in the same sort of uh, vision that you have. The skills, those are trainable. You can always add those in, but if people don't believe in what you're doing, it's just not going to work out. Totally. Absolutely. That took some time to learn that. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Well, that's a wrap. 
Until next time, be well, my friends.